Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Liberty Libations number 46. We've got a couple new guys here tonight. Um, one is coming here in a minute, and we've got Mr. Zane Placey, Mr. Nick Soselski down in the bottom, and Mr. Sean Kennedy. Sean, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Pretty good, man. Um, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are. Yeah, um, Sean Kennedy. I'm the campaign manager for Joshua Smith. That was kind of announced a few days ago. Uh, I am uh, new to libertarianism in a sense, but the ideals have always been there. So it's been an interesting little ride and uh, looking forward to uh, hanging out with you guys tonight. Nice. I love it. Yeah, we uh, I, in I interviewed jo Joshua, blah, 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 Joshua Smith on the Free Georgia podcast on that came out Monday night. So if you all want to go check that out, you can go look at where he stands on all the issues and what his campaign is going to be like. Um, can you give us any insider information, Sean? insider information <laughs> uh we had a new video uh come out today um highlighting josh and ron paul and some okay. of uh what josh is trying to really hone in on which is like a second revolution based on ron paul's ideals so that was a great release we got a good uh a great reception from the guys uh in the discord and 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 when it got put out on twitter it went really well we got a couple more in the chamber we're working on and uh we're really hoping to push some more media out so uh you know we got big things we're doing uh we're doing great we got we're growing and it's uh so far it's it's going really well heck yeah i dig it um what is everybody drinking tonight zane nick what y'all got actually you'll have to forgive me i forgot to get mine so i'll be right back <laughs> uh nick's going with the American oldest Brewery. there we go i've got a non-alcoholic cocktail Sean, you got anything to drink tonight? Of course I do. Uh, I got a small batch, uh, Barton's Master Distillery. Okay. Dig it. Heck yeah. All right, Zane, what'd you right, I, I got I got something that matches my shirt, which is um, New Realm Beach Bounty Lime Lager. Man, <laughs> that is such a long name for a beer. Like, that's way too long. <laughs> um, Just be well, simple yeah. like Gangland. There we go. Yingling. Super simple. Everyone knows how to pronounce it and how to, how to spell it. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, y'all, if, uh, if you have any questions about the Libertarian Party, if you have any questions about freedom, liberty, like what our principles are, any of that kind of thing, head on over to lpgeorgia.com if you're in the state of Georgia. If you're not, lp.org um, to learn more about the Libertarian Party in general. Um, and this week, we just put out a new video for our convention. So let's take a look at that. First promo for convention 2024. What do y'all think? So is this going to be like there. the months leading up to the great create where we have to watch that video every episode for the next three months? <laughs> yes. Nope. nope. At least nope. twice, nope. if not three times. That is the only time we'll be watching it on this show. It's out there on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, if you want to go check it out. Um, yeah. A lot of good speakers this year. You know, I mean, we got Shane, we got 
Sarah Higdon. We got a presidential debate. Um, Joshua Smith is going to be joining. Mike Termott, Chase Oliver. Um, who are other presidents? I mean, we have, what, seven? Uh, Rechtenwald. Rechtenwald will be there. Um, Lars, right? Isn't he going to be there? Is that his name? I can't remember. Yeah, that's his name. Lars. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to be there. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, go get your tickets now because uh, early bird tickets end um, on October 30th. I believe it's 62 bucks. And then after that, it's 75. And then it goes up to 85 in late December, early January. So, yeah, go get those now. Y'all, for anybody uh, who is, I don't know, we're going we're gonna to touch on some very touchy subjects today. Um, some things that are in the news, things that get people canceled, things that get people really riled up. Um, there will be videos that are hard to stomach. Um, so if you uh, don't want to be watching any of any brutal videos, then you shouldn't be tuning in today. Um, it's not the most brutal. I, I tried to filter out some of the worst stuff, um, but it's it's not going to be the the easiest topics today. Um, we're kind of waiting right now on our final member of tonight's show. We're do trivia first. Um, Zane, is there anything new in LP world for you? Um, if you're in Fulton County, definitely come on out. Um, it's we our monthly meetups um, are fourth Tuesday of the month at Mutation Brewing in Sandy Springs. So we've got our October meeting coming up. Let me check my calendar. October 24th, 7 p.m. at Mutation Brewing in Sandy Springs. So definitely come on out to that. Heck yeah. Nick, what's going on in LPPA? Um, I'm trying to think what's really going on up here. Um, been out of it for a, for about a week. I've been busy with some personal stuff. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I, I put an offer on a house, and that kind of got accepted. But now I'm kind of panicking on it, and <laughs> there's some stuff in the uh, in the inspection I didn't like, and I don't know if I'm. I'd be. Yeah, it's a whole mess right now. Mm. So I'm, I'm trying to figure stuff out with that. So that's been taking up a whole bunch of time and effort. As it does, man. Is it first time home buyer? That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Trying to do. Dude. So yeah. it, it may end up happening. It may not. But, um, you know, the location was great, like five minutes from work. So um, nice. Nice. And, but well, yeah. So we're going to see how it ends up going, if it ends up going. So, um, all right. Yeah, so I've been I've been focused on that uh, recently. That's understandable. Uh, I mean, buying a house, uh, there's so much involved with buying a house, especially when it's your first one. It's uh, yeah. it's very stressful. I remember when me and Nikki bought our first house; it was stressful as crap, man. I hated the whole process. And that's when you decided yeah. to live in a van. That's when I decided to live in a van instead. Yeah, once once I was told the offer was accepted, I'm like, oh shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> serious, real, real fast. It gets serious. Yeah. No, congratulations, yeah. man. That's awesome. That's a huge deal. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, um, um yeah. Uh, Sean, you said you're kind of new to the libertarian world. Can you go into that and like how you got into being Joshua Smith's campaign manager? Yeah, uh, it's kind of kind of interesting little little run. Um, so my upbringing, my dad definitely leans more towards libertarian. I remember back in 08, him pointing at Ron Paul going, he should be president and they would kill him if he got in the office. 
So that's kind of uh, the root of that upbringing. That's a good dad right there. Um, I, yeah. Uh, I live in Mass. So, you know, we're used to um, the People's Republic of Massachusetts constantly stepping on our rights. <laughs> and uh, if you like your rights, then you don't like them. So there's not many of us left from what it feels like, but hopefully we can grow that a little bit. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I found Josh totally at random. Uh, I started getting back in the Twitter again after Elon started making some right moves. And I found myself in a space for Josh and listened to him talk for a bit. And I'm like, all right, kind of like what he's got to say. Check this website out. Okay. Um, I'm, I was unregistered, um, but it really is only two parties in the state. So or really one party, I guess. Um, so I liked what he had to say. He was looking for some help, asking for some help for his discord, um, people to join. And I sat on it for about four days or so thinking about, you know, is this something I, I would really be interested in doing? And I've always liked politics. I've always followed politics just as a hobby. Um, I know I told you I was a career firefighter before I've been out the last couple of years. So like one of my favorite parts of the job, honestly, is shooting the shit with the guys at the back table. And uh, everybody throwing their views out there on how they're going to fix the world and, um, you know, running out the calls. So uh, a lot of this feels similar. Uh, it's nice to talk to people that are like minded. And yeah. um, so I, I which is honestly working my ass off trying to make sure everything was going well for the last few months. I put his shop together. Um, I know Zach was with, with you guys. He's been a huge help. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few other guys on the list there. Uh, we just started kind of giving some names out. Um, we'll kind of release that stuff slowly. But uh, uh, honestly, I didn't ask. The guys uh, brought it to him, and they were like, "Hey, you should you should really look at making Sean the campaign manager." Uh, I think he had a couple of the people on a short list that fell through. Honestly, and I, I mean, I wouldn't blame him. I, I'm not, I'm new to the the whole thing to begin with, so uh, right. so it's taking a risk for sure. But at the same time, you know it. it part of the goal is to outreach it's to get out of the party it's to to find other people and i think there's tons of space in the you know the right leaning group that thinks trump is kind of a pain in the ass um like they'd vote for him because it's the only option they feel like but they don't mm -hmm. want to vote for trump right. so uh coming from a crowd it's kind of similar to that you know it, it was like all right well you got some you got some good ideas you want to you want to take this and, and and push things into the mainstream and I, I think we should do that and i think we should apply pressure to the other parties so i jumped on board and they they boosted me up a little bit they brought it to his attention and um you know it's kind of the way it's worked out so it's been it's been a cool ride so far and i'm hoping to continue continue pushing that through and and, and seeing this through and getting the nomination it would be awesome that's sick man um, I mean, the oh, mere, the mere fact, hasn't been here for a while. I know. <laughs> look, look at this. Mr. Mr. Mac Carter, Carter back in the YouTubes. <laughs> How you doing, Mac? Um, well, dude, uh, I love when I see uh, a guy with a glorious beard um, doing awesome stuff. And Thank like, you. I, I've had I've had the best beard on this show since the start, and you just topped me just by coming. No, 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 no. We're Dude. beard brothers, man. We're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, Zane, Zane's still growing his. It's been like six months, and he hasn't cut it yet. So I think he has a no, hair. No, I, I I shave every morning. You do not want to see me attempt to grow a beard. It would be terrible. Do it. Oh Absolutely man, it's working. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It takes a very long time. You you decided to go with the the let the mustache grow too. So I so I usually I ran out of mustache wax. I usually do that really, you know, yeah. almost French nonsense going way up there. <laughs> but uh yeah, my my wife likes it 
and I had to shave for my job for the last decade. So I was like, I'm out of work. I'm not going to shave. You have to shave to be a firefighter. Yeah, it has to do with the uh, the respirator, the CBA mask. Yep, yep. It's got to fit, and if you don't have a good seal, you know it it doesn't work. So that's that's part of the deal. That's why you get the guys with the going down the side, the Fu Manchu look kind of thing. Because um, it, it fits within the mask. That's why they do it. So, yeah. Gosh, so much makes sense now. That that makes total <laughs> sense. I remember doing all that research when everybody's freaking out like one week into COVID. I was oh, like, yeah, do yeah. I need a respirator mask? And I was like, none of them work with my beard. I can't have one. So what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I wore a handkerchief. I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm tired of waiting for Chris. He's just going to have to either play catch up or uh, just miss out on trivia altogether. So we'll give him the audience's points when he gets in. We'll give okay, <laughs> perfect. We'll give him zero when he gets in. So here we go. All freaking right, y'all. Welcome to Libations Trivia. Is it going? There we go. And let me pull up. Sorry, we have no producer tonight. Zach is out. Um, so I'm doing everything. Um, so it's going to take me a little bit longer to do stuff. All right. There we go. All right. Tonight's topics. This day in history, Israel, Palestine, and space race. Um, the rules. There's Three rounds, 10 questions in the first, five in the second, three in the third, one, two, and three points, respectively. Each question is a free-for-all. The first contestant to cover their camera with their hand will be called on by Jake to answer the question. Um, if you blurt out an answer when it's not your turn, you lose a point. Uh, sorry, lost my way. Also, Sean, you should know that uh, we just let Zane win all the time. So there's not much. Of a point <laughs> I wasn't planning on winning. I'm awful at trivia. So oh, we'll see. We'll see. If a contestant answers, they cannot give another answer until all contestants have answered. The winner, we've never, we haven't done this since the first week, but the winner picks a topic to discuss the following episode. We got to come up with a better, uh, a better prize because that's never happened. <laughs> the all time like scoreboard. A- What's that? You got to get like a crown and do, I guess just keep it at Zane's house. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a digital crown and just put it over everybody's heads. Um, who, who won that the sounds week, nice. Prior. Yeah. Um, Zane has won nine. Nick and Alden have won four. Guests and Steve have won two. And the audience has won one. And Zane likes to say that the only time the audience won, he was in the audience. So. <laughs> Which is true. All right, y'all. Thank you for the recognition. I know. You were going to try to brag anyway, so I <laughs> thought I'd get out of the way. Round one, question one. On this day in 1492, what world-changing event occurred? Zane. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Be more specific. He arrived <laughs> to the place where he was going. Reaches the new world. There you go. You can't say 1492 and not expect him to say <laughs> he sailed the ocean blue. I mean, I was expecting you to, but I, I needed uh, more specificity than that. Um, Did you see that um, Monday was Indigenous Peoples Day, as it's now called? I, I did see that, and I saw RFK give a whole speech about it, which was... Uh, ridiculous so um yeah here we go next question 
On this day in 1810, Bavarian Crown Prince Louis marries Princess Therese uh, and an and invited the citizens of Munich to the celebration, marking the origin of what yearly event? Nick. Oktoberfest. Nailed it. Oktoberfest. Bravo. All right. Next question. On this day in 1964, the Soviet Union launches the first multi-person crewed spacecraft into orbit. What was the name of the craft? First multi-person craft. Yep. So it was not Yuri's. Zane. Fedka. <laughs> no, it was not a vodka. Nick. <laughs> uh, shot in the dark, and we're going to go with uh, with Soyuz. Nope. Grumpy is incorrect as well. Sean, what's up? Sputnik. No, nope. That was incorrect. Anybody got a guess? It's not one I'd ever heard of. Which is why it's in here. Five, four, three, two, one. Voskhod. The Voskhod one. I know. I'd never heard of it either. <laughs> but you're not going to get every question correct. <laughs> question number four of round one. On this day in 2002... 202 people were killed in a terrorist bombing and terrorist bombings believed to be perpetrated by Jama Islamia. In what country did this take place? Nick. I want to say Spain. Incorrect. Zane. Oh, I was going to say Spain too. Uh, France. Incorrect. Sean, you get the floor. And if you don't get it, I'll give a hint. We'll move right along and say Italy. Incorrect. It is an Asian country. <clears throat> Zane. Malaysia. Incorrect. Nick. Indonesia. Indonesia oh, is right. correct. There we go. Grumpy. This was before Zane was born, so. <laughs> no, it actually was not. <laughs> Question number five. On this day in 1997, which singer died when his experimental amateur aircraft crashed into Monterey Bay on the California coast? Well, this was before I was born, so. <laughs> what year was it? It was 1997. 97. Can we ask for a genre of music? Yeah. Uh... Uh, country. It's these are country. harder than these are country. harder than usual. I think the fact that I gave so many details, um, the experimental amateur aircraft and Monterey Bay is kind of throwing y'all because he's he's very famous. I can't believe nobody in the audience is getting this. I feel like now would be a good time to say Jack, Jackie Chan, but I'm not officially <laughs> going to say that. Um. Sang the song, Take Me Home Country Road. Nick. John Denver. <laughs> John Denver is correct. <laughs> I was like in my head, I was thinking John Denver, but I, I was like, I have no clue if that's actually right. So you wimped out. That's what I'm hearing. Still got it. 
<laughs> Question number six. On this day in 2007, who won the Nobel Prize after making a global warming documentary? Zane. Al Gore. <laughs> Al freaking Gore. Won a Nobel Prize for that piece of crap. Okay. Question number seven. He invented the internet also. He, yeah, totally. On this day in 1870, which legendary Civil War general died at his home in Lexington, Virginia? Zane. I think this is just Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee is correct. All right. Next question. All right. This is a long one. Apologies. On this day in the, in the year Don't 2000, pretend. 17 sailors were killed when the USS Cole, a naval destroyer, was attacked by suicide bombers associated with what terrorist group? Zane. Hezbollah. Wrong. Nick. Oh, Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is correct. Nick, you're crushing it tonight, dude. It's early. It is early. Uh, question number nine. On this day in 1968, what African country gained its independence from Spain? Zane. Oh, Grumpy actually had the best answer for the last one. <laughs> <laughs> he gives a point just for that. Oh, Zane. Um, Mauritania. Wrong. Nick. Morocco? Nope. Sean, the floor is yours. Oof. From Spain? Independence from Spain. I'm drawing a blank. I was going to say Morocco. Um, it's all good. It is a tough one. The, the This Day in History ones were tough today. They're, I was like digging for scraps. I'm trying to think of that's another African country that speaks Spanish. <laughs> I don't know. Man, you got me on that one. All right, it's open back up to the floor. I'll give a hint. It is two words. Nick. Shit, that, that messes me up. Uh, I mean, uh, two words. Um, I got nothing. <laughs> I had a guess, and it's not right because of your hint. So I jumped the gun there, and I need to think for a second. Fair enough. Y'all get 10 seconds. I love that I'm stumping Zane tonight. This is great. Five, four, three, two. There we go. Equatorial Guinea is the wow. I think, I think African Spain, I'm thinking like North Africa, Mediterranean coast. Yeah. Like, I was going to guess like Tunisia. I don't care what you're thinking. I said African. <laughs> that was a deep cut. Well, it is what it is. All right, final question of round one. On this day in 1901, which president changed the name from Executive Mansion to the White House? Zane. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy freaking Roosevelt. All right, y'all. After one round, Nick and Zane are tied at four. Sean and the audience are tied at zero. And Chris is tied at negative seven. Um. Actually, he's just a straight loser. He's Wait, not that's tied only to eight points, though, right? Are we sure we? What? That yeah, was eight did, points and questions. We skipped one. 
We did ten questions. Oh, and y'all, y'all missed. Yep. Yeah, y'all missed two. Two of them. Okay. Don't yeah, don't question fine. my math. I I'm doing this. It's adding one by one. I think I got it. <laughs> okay. Well, now we're going two by two. So now we're going two by two. You can start questioning me. Um, question number one: What date was the modern state of Israel established? I need the full date. Nick. Um. We'll do closest to it gets it. I think it was uh, it was the June. I want to say June fourteenth, nineteen forty nine. Okay, Zane, what's your guess? June fourteenth, nineteen forty seven. Okay, Sean, you got a guess? Forty eight. Sean gets it. There we go. <laughs> May fourteenth, nineteen forty eight. How about that? I knew it was the 14th of something, and then like one of those years. You sounded, you sounded really confident on the month and the day, so I just stole that from you. But I saw, I saw for some reason it was 1947. But I, I was going to say 47 I was, myself. I was pretty close on that. I mean, I was one month off in a year. I mean, it's, I uh, got the 14 right, which was. We'll go over some of the history here after after the deal. I My notes aren't even up where I have that date in the notes. So <laughs> I'm, playing by, I'm playing fair. I have the document like on my taskbar but it's not up on the screen so well good for you way to be way to be a good sport i play fair question number two what event is often considered the catalyst for the israel-palestine conflict zane the six-day war no good guess though nick uh balfour declaration it is the balfour declaration oh yeah because the Six Day War, if I'm if I remember correctly, is when Israel actually took over Palestine or parts of that's Palestine. way laid into it. Balfour Declaration is 1917. Well, yeah, I see that's yeah. 1917. Six Day War was like 1967. <laughs> but it kind of depends on how you're defining what started it. Because if you really want to know what started it, you'd have to go back to like Abraham, the, the beginning of the beginning <laughs> yeah. of human civilization. It's true. Uh, not so much. Not I, I will argue that in my. Uh, in my wrap up in my uh talk <laughs> crumpy oh, says <yeah>. juneteenth <laughs> <laughs> all right question number three what agreement was signed in 1993 to establish the framework for palestinian self-governance in parts of the west bank and gaza strip zane that would be the oslo accords that would be correct bravo all right question number four what is the right of return in the context of the conflict and why is it significant? Nick. Uh, well, the right of return is uh, allow it is, well, I guess there's no right of return right now for Palestinians back onto their uh, ancient homelands. And uh, from the Jewish side, there's the right of return for Jews to uh, come back to their ancient holy lands. There we go. Friggin' nailed so. it. Bravo. It's kind of a, a two-side way of referencing that, I guess. Yep, there is. Question number five, final final question of the first round. What is Second the round. name of the conflict in 1967, which led to Israel's occupation of the West Bank Gaza Strip and East Jerusalem, Zane? I'm going to take that one. It's the Six-Day War. <laughs> it is the Six-Day War. Oh, y'all, this is a great, this is a great one. Um, after two rounds, Nick and Zane are tied at eight. Sean's got two, audience has zero, and Chris is down to negative 30. Um, 
All right. Question number one of round number three. These are worth three points apiece. Three questions. Which event marked the beginning of the space race? Zane. Sputnik. The launch of Sputnik, October 4th, 1957. Nailed it. Question number two. What was the name of the program that first put American astronauts in space? Zane. Mercury. Mercury is correct. <laughs> and Zane seals the lead with that one. Nick, you can uh, almost catch up, but not quite. So final question. What event marked the end of the original space race era? Zane. Apollo 17. Incorrect. Nick. Uh, moon landing. Incorrect. Sean. I don't know how you're defining it. Uh, I was going to say the Apollo missions. The uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Apollo missions. All right. Uh, like the, uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's all good. Incorrect. I'm going to give a hint. It... Uh, is a specific um how do i how do i give a hint without giving it away uh spe specific coordinated event with russia nick soviet union uh mayor huh the mayor space station mm. i mean i'll well, give it, it. Was some it was some sort of docking with Mir and Skylab, right? There's the answer. Oh, wait. The Apollo-Soyuz no. test project in 1975, American and Soviet spacecraft docked in space, marking the end of the Cold War, or the space race, not the Cold War. <laughs> All no, right, y'all. Go on. How about that? All right. How about that? Got new graphics for the winners now. <laughs> you just, yeah, yes, you had to spend a ton of time just making one, right? Yeah, I was just say you got one graphic there. <laughs> I have one graphic for each person. I have Alden, Zach, Zane, Nick, Stephen, audience, and guest. Actually, one of them gets used a lot more than the other ones, though. Uh, as of right now, yes, but. You don't know that's going to be the case in the future. Plus, ever since we started doing it where you don't get to see the question, um, you haven't been winning as much. So eat a butt. I, well, part of that is because there were a couple of times where I had to miss the episode. So I've been on twice since the rule change and won once. Whatever. Okay. We have our fifth member coming to the stage already drinking something. Mr. Christopher Bradley. How are you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing well. Good evening, gents. Good evening. Good evening. All right, what are you drinking? Moonshine with lemonade in it. That's a good call. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's um, it's like a hundred proof or something. Okay, well you're catching wow. up quick then. Um, it tickles. <laughs> Chris, uh, just let everybody know who you are, what you do, that kind of thing, before we get into this whole deal. Um, I am Chris. Um, I clearly don't have enough lighting on in here. <laughs> um, I am a stuntman and uh, carpenter and um a father to a three-year-old domestic terrorist 
perfect. Well, we're, we're all labeled domestic terrorists these days. So Ah, well, you know, you can't have a perspective without having enemies. This is very true. Well, Chris, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having me on. Sorry you, light switch. Yeah, sorry you had to miss, uh, I don't know, was it like two weeks ago that you were supposed to be on and yeah. Ella wouldn't go to bed? <laughs> well, that was the issue tonight, too. Gotcha. <laughs> go figure. I thought it was going to be like, oh, yeah, Christina's not feeling great, so she's going to go to bed early and figured she'll take the kid down with her. And I was like, yeah, great, perfect. They'll both go to bed together, no problem. <laughs> Second, I walked out of the room and said goodnight. It was Chernobyl level. <laughs> I I cannot describe to you the absolute abhorrent hair horror in in her voice. It was just I had I wronged. It. I had wronged an entire ancestry of people. That seems like a typical night for you, though. Um, Oddly enough, <laughs> it doesn't stop. I have a six-year-old. Oh, good. Stop. You know what? I hate you for your honesty, but I appreciate it at the same time. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, man. <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, we're going to get into this. Here we go. We're going to talk a lot about Israel-Palestine conflict today um, and everything that's been happening. Um, Yahoo News is now reporting that cool. the Israel-Hamas war... The death toll reaches 2,500, including 27 U.S. citizens. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it again. We're gonna say there are gonna be opinions that people don't like. There are going to be things that people don't want to see. Um, there are gonna be things that people don't want to hear discussed at all. So, um, if you don't want to be around for this episode, then log off now. Um, otherwise, let's get into it. Um, and I, and part of what I've got, I, I'm going to take it, you know, try to run history back to like the 1800s here a little bit. So heck yeah. try to get some real perspective on this. And I just want to kind of, you know, where I kind of source things from. Right. So, you know, when an, an event like this kicks off, you always want to kind of catch back up and refresh yourself on things. So <clears throat> in addition to doing some research and poking around, um, you know, a while back, I listened to a uh, podcast called Martyr, Ma Martyr Made. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. M-A-R-T-Y-R-M-A-D-E. -E. Uh, it's basically like a hardcore history Dan Carlin type show. Oh, um, love you know, hardcore history. It's, uh, you know, so this so six episodes covering, uh, you know, the, the first six episodes uh, he did. Another show the guy does. Uh, his name is Daryl Cooper. Uh, he's, he does another show with like Jocko Willink and like Scott Horton's been on that show. So like he's in, you know, he's been in like some good circles. Right. But, you know, this is 20 hours of <laughs> of audio on on uh, that. So the first six episodes, the series he called uh, Fear and Loathing in New Jerusalem is a series. So um, it's about 20, about 20 hours worth of content I was listening to while at work over the past couple of days, mm -hmm. taking it from like basically back 1800s and giving, you know, a, a broad perspective on the ground, you know, on the ground, you know, kind of the rise of the Zionist movement. And then really only takes it up to about, uh, about 1947, 48 there. I think it doesn't get into like a whole bunch, at least, re-listening to it where I am with like two hours left in the uh, <laughs> final five hour episode. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cover like a whole lot of modern stuff. It's giving a whole lot of background on who these early players are. Um, you know, 
kind of perspective on all sides. And of course, like what it comes back to is it's the British fault. So, yeah, we we lost you for a second there. It's what? It's the British's fault. Right? Yeah, I mean a, a lot of there, there's there's a lot of that. <laughs> um, Mitchell chimed in. He listened to Martyr Made on Palestine. Um, so illuminating. Dense, but so illuminating. So, that, that's how all the hardcore I, histories are. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's a ton of it's a ton of uh, stuff there, but it really gets you a uh, good, solid perspective. So I was doing that, and then I was, you know, some of the quotes he gave, I pulled up and uh, put in my notes here, and then I was running through, you know, stuff that was said there, people said there, and trying to get some overall context. And, I mean, I've got... It says eight pages of notes and there's some pictures in it, but uh, we're not going to go that far <laughs> down the <laughs> hole. You know, I, I can't take 20 hours of content and put it into an hour. So there's going to be a whole lot we hit, a whole lot that's covered broadly. Uh, these things are really, really complex. And I think the thing to remember through these, this entire discussion is that individuals take actions, right? I mean, all, all actions are done by individuals and not groups individuals can act as groups but it's not groups mm -hmm. yep. so that's the thing to keep in mind especially because like if you say arabs did this or the or the zionists did this it's not always the whole group there's always you know subsections of the group that agree disagree did this you know you have one uprising where you know one side's you know committing violent acts against the other but you still have people in the other group who are protecting the other ones like it's you know it, it's all very very nuanced and complex which you don't get much in uh yeah oh, you uh, don't you yeah, don't that, get that that's in, a, in that's, press or anything zane keep going that's a really important thing to keep in mind especially now where it feels like most people are completely incapable of being able to differentiate um like the government of israel from the people of Israel from the Jewish people as a whole and yeah. completely incapable of differentiating Hamas from the Palestinian people, which leads yeah. people like Lindsey Graham to say that we should just level all of Palestine, which would involve killing or making destitute 2 million people, half of which are kids. So that, that collective collectivism of any flavor can lead you down some really dark paths. Yes. But and also I think, I think eight pages of notes, is more show prep than has been done in the entire rest of the history of this show. <laughs> well, there's, there's some pictures in there. I mean, I, basically the only picture I'm going to want to bring up is, and you can probably Google this is basically the, uh, if you search out uh, the, you know, Palestinian territory or whatever, there's a picture of like of the boundaries throughout the years. Gotcha. gotcha. Well, I think before that's before be we get to that, let's, I thought, I thought this tweet point. was a good, good point for a libertarian thing um it's from reed cooley on on twitter i hate or on x whatever you want to call it i hate the atrocities committed by hamas i hate the atrocities committed by israel but most of all i hate the possibility of world war three how many more israelis and palestinians will die amidst a world war this will happen if the u.s government enters this conflict and i do think that that is generally the um the stance of the libertarian party we're very anti-war i mean we're the most anti-war party there is um and we're the most anti-interventionist uh party that there is and i think it's important to keep that in mind that you know at least at the at the very least four of us if not all five of us will be coming at this from a more libertarian approach than anything else 
Um, right. And what's absolutely insane is, is where some of these leftist groups have gone on it. Down yeah. as if you've seen those headlines, you know, there, well, Israel, you know, it, Israel asked for this from, you know, had it coming to them. And I, that's not the perspective uh, any of us want to take on. You know, that. I, I just found out about all of this maybe three days ago. And, uh, cause I live under a rock, which, uh, <laughs> should be no surprise. It's good in some ways. Yeah, it's got its perks. Um, but I had no idea what was going on. And the first thing I heard about it was that Biden is offering his support to, uh, Israel. Um, and I'm like, oh, what the, what the heck is going on with this? Let me check it. And I started looking into it and figuring it out. Um, had no idea about the bombing initially. And so, yeah, I mean, like, it's, a, it's a lot, dude. What in the heck? And it's all based around extremist views. Yep. Yep. Um, well, if there are other people out there similar to you that aren't aware of everything that happened, um, ABC News on... Uh, gives a really good timeline of everything that happened. Uh, on October 6th, 7th at 6.30 a.m., there was a bar barrage of rockets heading across um, into Israel. Um, and they just go through a whole timeline. Um, if you want to go to abc.com, you can go to this website and, and check it out because it's a very solid timeline to get a ton of details that you might not otherwise know. Um, we're not going to go through the entire thing, um, but if you want to do that on your own, you can. Um, so, yeah. Um, let's see. I did want to get some history. I think that's a pretty important thing to do. Um, and one, I've been watching tons of videos, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the videos that I watched is from the history channel. Um, and let's see, I was going to put that up here. Uh, there we go. Uh, it's how the Israeli, Israeli Palestinian conflict began. Um, it's six and a half minutes long, which really only brushes the surface of, of the whole conflict. But I would highly advise um, you if you have no idea what the past was between these two groups, um, I would highly advise going to watch some of these uh, some of these histories because um, they're very informative. There's lots and lots and lots of history. I mean, dating all the way back to like Abraham, you know, beginning of the Bible. So. Um, but I mean, in, in modern times, we can date it to about World War One, really. Correct. Correct. So. Um, all right. We are going I'm going to read an entire article from Scott Horton because Scott Horton is the freaking man and he knows everything. Um, Scott tweeted out. It's I guess it's not an article. It's just one massively long tweet. Um, he last edited it on gosh edited it that is a tough little phrase to say <laughs> october 11th at 7 30 p.m scott horton says with terrorism as with all asymmetric political action the action is in the reaction of the opposition as saul alinsky the leftist activist put it in his book rules for radicals this isn't conspiracy stuff nor impossible fourth dimensional chess it's just plain old two-dimensional chess that's all Hamas, Al-Qaeda, and similar groups slaughter civilians, beheaded babies or not. They certainly murdered hundreds and hundreds of innocent civilian Israeli non-combatants in this one, including an extended family member of mine, just as they slaughtered thousands on September 11th for a reason not simply because they're angry or devils. It's a tactic. They're trying to provoke a reaction. 
They're trying to make you angry, to make you hate, even drive you crazy. Yes, for the purpose of making the more powerful force, i.e. the USA, Israel, do even worse to their own people, such as getting the U.S. to invade Afghanistan and getting Israel to bomb the absolute living shit out of the Gaza Strip. Not that Al-Qaeda was from Afghanistan, but that's where they were and that's who they knew were going to get it. Also, by the way, the U.S. support for Israel's crimes in Palestine and Lebanon was a huge part of the motive for Al-Qaeda's war against the United States in the first place, including for some of the most important pilot hijackers and organizers of the plot. This is meant to provoke still further counter-reactions. It heightens the contradictions, as the commies used to say. It forces the leaders of Muslim states and armed groups everywhere to take a stand. It destroys stability and negotiations and progress, radicalizes new groups, and forces everyone back into the fight on one side or the other. It makes every sock puppet princeling of the Gulf to take a stand in support, like the Ayatollah or sell out in silence to the most, in the most embarrassing way, like Crown Prince Ben Salman, etc., etc. It's the same reason Bosnian Muslim forces butchered Serbs and Chechen Muslim forces butchered Russians and ISIS slaughtered Shiites to provoke a worse crisis for everyone in the hopes that the overall situation changes to their advantage. I would note that terrorism is usually as stupid as it is evil. See Bosnia, where they got less and less. Chechnya, Syria, and Iraq wars two and three, where they lost outright. Osama's nemesis, the Saudi monarchy, still stands. And with as, and with as degenerate a self-worshipper in the crown prince position as he could ever have feared, Hamas may very well not survive this. But for Israel to completely destroy them would require a level of violence that the civilian population of the Gaza Strip, one half of them under 18 years old, all of them trapped with nowhere to go, simply cannot withstand. Hundreds have already been killed. The longer this goes on, the greater the danger to the Israeli hostages as well. By widening the war into a full-scale invasion of Gaza, the Israelis risk spreading the war to a full-scale uprising on the West Bank, a fight with Hezbollah in Lebanon or even northern Israel, which could then lead to things going sideways in Iraq, where Bush installed a very, a very Iran and Hezbollah-friendly Shiite theocracy in power in Iraq War II and who knows, and who knows what. Powerful Muslim states who are friendly to Israel, such as Turkey and Egypt, must be allowed to step in and play a negotiating role here. Stop reacting and stop posturing like a bunch of little girls on TikTok. <laughs> Pull the brakes before it's too late. I know calling your congressman feels like pissing in the wind, but do what you can to make your voice heard and call for ceasefire and talks as soon as possible. Ultimately, the Palestinians must have independence or citizenship. Otherwise, as Ariel Sharon's man, former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert said, they're left with an untenable apartheid state and the U.S. should stop sharing in the responsibility for this shame immediately by ending all aid and military support for the occupation, and for that matter, in all cases, everywhere. For all your brain-dead copycat, nah-uh, you, you gotta win or else lose, takes, um, takes. Save your time and see the bolded sentences above. See also the numerous posts on my timeline regarding, uh, I don't know who that is, Likud? Likud. Likud and friends... <laughs> preference for Hamas to rule the Palestinians of Gaza so Israel will not have to deal with them in good faith. Also, USS Gerald Ford, watch your six. Um, yeah, I mean, I, for those who don't know who Scott Horton is, he is a foreign affairs um, expert. Genius. He's a genius. He runs antiwar.com. 
He is an absolutely fantastic person to reference when anything happens abroad. Tony um, writes Stephen King novels as tweets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's a lot to unpack, dude. It's a lot to unpack. Um, and we can unpack it if we want. Um, anybody have any comments on that? I got to go uh, check something. I'd, I'd like to make a, you know, a good clarifying point on what he said there about, you know, the Gaza Strip, right? So he's he mentioned... You know, half the population is under 18. So not only is it one of the youngest populations in the world, the Gaza Strip is one of the most densely populated spots on the planet. I did hear that earlier today. Right. So you're talking about 2 million people living in this tiny little, what, mile or so wide, mile, couple miles wide, you know, 10 miles or so long area, dense cities. Um, you know, I mean, you see the missiles coming in and, and you know, it's happened plenty of times. They, you know, uh, something happens there's some unrest there and israel responds with oh we had to go after hamas so we blew up the skyscraper that was standing right there we just you know so you're talking about a very dense very young very um you know very uh you know packed in their population a population that really can't leave you know, there's a border crossing into Israel, which, you know, I don't believe any Palestinians can really get out. And if they can get out, I don't believe they can go back to it, back to it. Um, and then there's the crossing with Egypt, which requires preclearances in which Israel, uh, I believe, bombed that crossing. And because they were trying to negotiate, well, civilians go over to Egypt. And uh, it seems Egypt is resistant to that. They seem to stub um, their toe a lot. Yeah, and then not to mention there's a uh, there's been a standing Israeli naval blockade of of the waters around there. So the fishermen in Gaza are what is it five seven miles? I think is all they're allowed out. So basically, all the toxic sewage and you know raw sewage, human waste, everything coming out of the city gets dumped into the ocean there, and that's the same waters they're fishing in. So um, it's a very very difficult. You know, thing to look at. I mean, you see, um, you know, they said they've cut the power to it. You know, they're not allowing, I don't think they're allowing food or aid shipments into there. So it's a very, very tough situation. The people of Gaza are going to see from this, many of whom just trying to get by. Yep. Yeah. That's very, very, very bad. And obviously, I, what's understood doesn't have to be said. Hamas is evil. And everything that they've been up to is very evil, but that doesn't mean that there is that you know we have to 100% stand with Ukraine either. It's possible to remember things that happened uh, more than five seconds ago and recall that for the past several decades, like Amnesty International and all a, a lot of other respected like um, human rights watchdogs have been saying for a long time that people that people do not like to hear that Gaza and the rest of Palestine are treated by Israel as an apartheid state, but that is the best description. You know, there are no, hardly anybody's allowed to leave. They've got constant sanctions on them. The Israel police and the military go in there all the time, blow stuff up in the name of fighting Hamas. And by the way, uh, a, a lot of people will tell you that Israel is fully in support of a two-state solution, if only, you know, Palestine would go for it. But know Palestine won't the or Hamas the the group in uh who is governing Palestine won't go for it because their stated mission 
is uh, the destruction of Israel, which that's true, but it, it's also true that Israel doesn't really want a two-state solution either because they just want to be able to keep taking more and more of Palestine of, of land that is already occupied by Palestinians, kick them off of it and build more settlements on it. So they're they're pretty much happy with the status quo. And it's been admitted by several top um, like Israeli officials and was alluded to in that tweet that Israel has for decades been backing Hamas because they know if Hamas is in charge of Palestine, then Israel can be all like, well, we can't have a two-state solution right now because look at how unreasonable Hamas is. But the only reason Hamas is in charge is because Israel has given them the resources that they need to, to be in charge of Palestine. So it's a real, I mean, every, what they're saying about Hamas is true, but also they're the cause of it. And again, I'm not, I'm obviously not saying that what, that any of these attacks are justified, but we have to, it, I, I know I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but in the it's 1990s, gone. when Osama bin Laden issued a declaration of war against the United States uh, on behalf of Al-Qaeda, his number one complaint was, look at um, all of the destruction and killing that the U.S. and Israel are doing all over the Middle East. And even if you could say that bin Laden himself just hated America and our freedom or whatever, that declaration of war was what he was using to recruit people to come and join him being terrorists, was all the stuff that the U.S. was doing, meddling and killing in the Middle East. So when we think about why have the Palestinian people elected Hamas as their leadership when Hamas is bent on the destruction of Israel, perhaps it helps to keep in mind what could possibly be motivating them to be like that. And Israel's, frankly, uh, repulsive treatment of Palestine for the past several decades is definitely not helping. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, the, the similarities between Hamas's uh, reaction to what's been happening to them and their people and what happened with 9-11 um, striking resemblances. Um, the amount of the amount of decades that we've been over bombing the Middle East and to the retaliation of it being um, like culminating, I guess, in 9-11 was is very strikingly similar to what's going on here. I mean, they, they, they literally attacked by land, sea and air all at once. Like it was the most interesting coordinated attack I've, I've seen in recent days. Um, people flying in on little hang glider deals. Like it was right. <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen something like that. Um, I've just never seen something like that before. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, people are always able to create new and fascinating ways to kill each other. That's <laughs> very true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Have you guys heard of the um, the Millennium Challenge from uh, 2002? It was a war game exercise. This is the, the these guys flying in reminded me of this. So it was a U.S. war game exercise, and in the Middle East. And what they had were guys on um, one, I believe, it was a general came in and basically just wiped the floor with the U.S. military using small guerrilla tactics. And he used people on like motorbikes dropping bombs, like messenger bikes, and like all these really small things that 
we think that the surveillance state is 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 gonna you know they're gonna catch the missiles and the planes and like the big shit and then like stuff like this is what it reminded me of where you just have small guerrilla tactics it mm -hmm. doesn't take much i mean it sounds like a, a fucking action movie i mean it sounds horrible as well, but it's like it. I mean, these guys are flying in, doing it's like Red Dawn. Or something. Of, yeah, yeah, it's the basis of terrorism, though. The idea of terrorism is to create terror, and there is nothing more innately terrorizing to the human soul than the unknown, not knowing where you're going to get hit, or when you're going to get hit, or how mm. you're going to get hit. It's absolutely and utterly terrifying, and that's the core basis of terrorism. Yeah, and I. Yeah, these uh, smaller strikes and smaller attacks. I mean, it's exactly how it took us. I mean, we like, we we never defeated any of these groups in the Middle East, like because they were extremely hard to capture all at once. They're extremely hard to kill all at once because um, all these little covert actions and smaller military forces and smaller uh, arms and vehicles made it extremely difficult um, to do it. And it's it's exactly out of that playbook. I saw an article that said that the reason that these attacks flew under the radar of Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency, was because Hamas did all their planning offline, which, you know, there might be a lesson in there for libertarians. <laughs> Although I was I was seeing reports that Egypt warned them a couple of days ahead of time that something was coming. I heard that, too. Oh. But I heard that Egypt said something was coming, but didn't know what when how or where <laughs> yes <laughs> so, that's not very uh useful if that's the case but. yeah it, there's not really you much know what i do. can make that prophecy too something's coming <laughs> something's coming <laughs> and you yeah. know what uh, you know i'll be right <laughs> yeah so uh grumpy's latest comment here the, the more we kill the more recruits they got right that's uh what was the, the brad pitt movie uh war machine uh of uh Stan, you know based loosely on stanley mccrystal there right insurgent yeah. matt you know, if you've got, you know, 10 bad guys and you kill eight of them, how many do you have? 20. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there are there are stories of former Israeli soldiers that are recounting how horrified they were by some of the operations that they did in Palestine, like going to weddings or funerals where somebody said that there was a Hamas operative there and they just shot the entire thing up. Hmm. It's a lot easier to justify these things when you feel like your um, your religion backs it, or you're you're fighting for a group of people with a religious background, as opposed to even a nation state. I, I mean, it's an ethnicity and a, a religion, so it's I don't agree with it, but I can understand the, the 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 idea where it's you feel like you're going to be killed or you need to kill other people, which is a horrible place to put people in. But I think it's framed that way for a reason by people who want to take that put the land over, who want to push them out. Um, I know Nick or Zane, one of you guys touched on the Gaza Strip. Um, you know, it's it's a huge, it's an immensely dense area. Sorry to interrupt. I have Sorry. to step away for a second. Um, cool. By all means, you guys keep going. Sounds good. Uh, it's a very densely populated area. And this Egypt's not letting anyone in. They're not letting anyone in from the West Bank. And uh, in my opinion, the reason why they're doing that is because it forces Israel to actually have to deal with the problem. It forces a humanitarian crisis within Israel's borders that they are then required to either kill people or find a new solution. But by not letting them in, it 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 it, it makes Israel look bad. Israel can't win uh, on either side of that. So they can be upset that the Muslim countries won't take the Muslims in, but the Shiites don't want the Sunnis. They don't want a population shift. So there's other politics within those countries taking place as well. And they're creating an enormous 
global PR problem for Israel by not allowing these people to leave. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're getting uh, awesome propaganda like this. Yeah, that sounds familiar. You either stand with Israel or you stand with terrorism. Um, Libertarian Party of Colorado retweeted it and said, feel like we've heard this before. (laughs) And I know that... uh, that somebody made a compilation of George Bush saying this back at not back after nine 11, you either stand with us or you stand with terrorism. Um, and yeah, like he's, he said it like over and over and over and over and over again. And like, this is what they say every single time. And it's just not at all true. Let me like, I'll refer you back to that, that tweet by Reed Cooley that you, you know, you don't stand with either one. Um, you stand with the innocent people that have been murdered, um, yep. and their families. And, um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. all horrendous. Sean, as you were saying, the religious aspect of this is obviously enormous. Like even in the U.S., like I, um, I come from a very Christian background. It's very important to me. But, you know, there, the tendency of a lot of Christians is we always have to stand with the state of Israel 100% because the Jews are God's chosen people, which... You know, I believe that that is true, but that doesn't mean that the state of Israel is always perfect. Like, go back and read, you know, the books of First Kings and Second Kings. Those books are full of, you know, the kings of Israel being absolutely terrible people and doing really evil stuff. The state of Israel has very little to do with the Jewish people overall, and I wish that more Christians would understand that. That is, man, that was going to be my main point of this whole thing, dude. Because, yeah, I, I grew up christian as well i'm still a devout christian and what drives me nuts is hearing like i mean my grandmother says it but you know she's like 90 something so she's going to but like people equating the state the the country of israel with the jewish religion is infuriating because the things that the 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 country of israel has done to people on the in in gaza um and palestinians uh, has been horrendous, horrendous things. They live in, I mean, we've already touched on it a lot. They live in horrible conditions and people equating these two things, like we have to defend the state of Israel is just a load of crap. Like just because they've been oppressed and people have tried to exterminate Jews in the past does not mean that we should be defending a state that commits terror on other people. Um, Those things don't necessarily go hand in hand. You don't have to do one if the other one happened. Um, and it's, it's, that's one of the most frustrating things that you hear from basically every single Republican out there um, who wants to go full tilt into this war and demolish all of Palestine. Yeah. I mean, of, of all the libertarian takes that I have, like my family knows that I'm like a hardcore anarcho-capitalist Rothbardian. They're totally fine with that. My take on this is probably the one that they would disagree with me the most on just because of those factors. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I didn't tell my parents to watch this episode. (laughs) (laughs) You want to get into some history? Yes. Nick, give us some history. All right. So this is me trying to condense 20 hours of listening and a bunch of other stuff down. But I I think we have to to set the stage right Uh, back to, you know, pushing towards the late 1800s here um you know what really kind of starts this year is uh kind of the founding of the zionist movement i would say kind of comes from uh 
a guy named kind of really kicked off with a guy named Theodor Herzl writing a uh, publication called Der Judenstadt, the Juden's the Jewish state. And I kind of founded a uh, more or less political Zionism, right? So, I mean, you have to kind of take it back to uh, what people, you know, what Jews in Europe were going through at the time, right? I mean, they were outsiders, you know, they were living in their insular communities, um, discriminated against, uh, you know, violent pogroms against them, um, mm -hmm. especially as you see a lot of the, uh, you know, early founders of this came out of the Russian Empire where this was worse. You know, there was kind of a wide, wide, you know, sort of a fairly wide range of treatment, right? Like from the Russian Empire where you see a lot of, uh, a lot of violence against Jewish communities uh, to, uh, you know, like Britain, who basically, I believe, made, basically gave them more or less equal rights-ish by about 1850. And I mean... You know, that was kind of laid out that you had uh, Benjamin Disraeli, the uh, prime minister from 1874 to 1880, who was born Jewish, although, you know, became, you know, became Anglican as a child. But, you know, still, you look at that and they're like, all right, well, we've kind of got a little bit on the ups here, right? And then, you know, other groups such as like the Rothschilds who, you know, were bankers to the Kings. Right. <laughs> and by that point, you know, that started in what, you know, they started their thing in the 1700s. And, by, and I think by that point they eventually became noble, you know, became nobles in the Holy Roman empire in the UK. So, I mean, there was, a there was a little bit more elevation as you got, you know, further West, I would say versus, uh, you know, a whole lot of still discrimination there, uh, discrimination in the violence, that you got um, in like in the East in the Russian Empire, so um, you know. So one quote that I found, you know, that I pulled out of the Ma the Martyr Made episode. Um, this came out of a manifesto from a, a group, but basically, uh, in it, right, it says, uh, "We want a home in our country. It was given us to us by the mercy of God. It is ours as registered in the archives of history." To beg of it of the beg it of the Sultan himself, and if it be impossible to attain that obtain this, to beg that we may at least possess it as a state within a larger state, the internal administration to be ours, to have our civil and political rights, and to act with the Turkish Empire only in foreign affairs, so as to help our brother Ishmael in his time of need. Right. So to keep in mind here, at this point, uh all the most of the Middle East there was controlled by the Ottoman Empire. So uh, there's not a whole lot of European influence going on uh, in Palestine and the Levant in that area at that point, right? It's primarily Ottoman Turk um, control. They've got, uh, you know, I think the really the last interaction would be like Napoleon coming through after his adventures in Egypt and absolutely slaughtering people um, in terrible ways that kind of, you know, still remain with the people, you know, a hundred years later as, you know, more Europeans start coming through. And then, uh, and before that, really, the, the previous interaction was like the Crusades, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's it's been very isolated, you know, from a lot of the large European uh, power influence because of that Ottoman role in, uh, in Turkey, you know, in mm -hmm. Istanbul. So, but basically what they're saying here in this is, hey, we think that 
because well, it's also good to keep in mind that you know it's not just Muslims living there, right? You got a large Muslim population, but you do have a, a large Christian population as well, and and a minority, but still present Jewish population that had been living in the area, right? So you've kind of got everyone just kind of living there and doing their thing, um, and they, you know, these guys are saying. Hey, let's you know, let's go beg of the Sultan to give us a little bit of land so that we can have our own place, get away from this violence in Europe, these people discriminating against us here, and let us, you know, have some peace down there. And uh, you know, as so as to help our brother Ishmael. So they're talking about, you know, the Muslim population. Like, hey, let's go down there, we'll go get along with these guys. You know, they're not, you know, our enemies up here in Europe against us here, not down there. So um Early on, you know, I think there was some idealism with that, yeah. Um, which of course kind of dissolves kind of quickly on that. But um, you know, you had a lot of different sort of views on the Zion, you know, through the Zionist movement, right? Um, you know, there was a large influence coming from the leftists, the socialists, the communists, which kind of makes sense. You see these guys in the Russian Empire as well, which, I mean, you know, those those are the ideas going around the Russian Empire come turn of the century. You know, you, you eventually end up with, like, the Russian Revolution overthrowing the Tsar there. I mean, Leon Trotsky was a Jew who dabbled a little bit on this side and decided it wasn't for him. But, I mean, you know, you're being discriminated against and all this violence and you have a... Uh, political system saying oh we're going to go be equals and no classes and things like that it's not hard to see how people how you know that could sound good to a lot of a lot of people living in those conditions so um that kind of had a large influence on a lot of it and kind of led to the you know labor zionism which you know to the kibbutzes in israel now and uh you know things like that um but you also had the cultural Zionists that, um, you know, the most interesting thing I'd say there is that they re they resurrected the Hebrew language, right? It had been basically dead unspoken for thousands of, you know, hundreds, thousands of years at that point. And they said, well, we're going to create a, you know, we need to have our culture. And the first thing we need to be able to do is communicate to each other universally. So they went through and they're like, all right, we're resurrecting our, uh, our, you know, ancient language here. So that was a planned, um, you know, planned out project that they did. And, you know, the cultural Zionists weren't even so much like everyone needs to move down there. They were like, yeah, people should maybe, you know, could come down here and kind of give us like our, you know, the way it was kind of compared was that, you know, the Muslims look to Mecca, you know, the Jews look to Jerusalem. So, you know, having a presence there and some culture kind of around it was sort of uh, what they were looking at there. So, you know, you had a, uh, so you had a lot of it, and then you got into the political Zionism, um, you know, guys like, like I said, Theodore Herzl there, and uh, Chaim Weissman, who was a, uh, ended up becoming the first president of Israel, uh, president of the Zionist organization. He was, he was uh, British and spent a lot of his time going between the British and, uh, you know, as the British gained in power there. So, um, you know, people start moving in there, um, you know, little things here and there, but really what kind of kicks this off is um, World War One. So, 
you know, we had World War One. Like I said, the Ottomans controlled Palestine at that point, and at the point, and at that, and at that point, you know, the Ottomans were against the uh, Allied powers. You know, they were aligned. So uh, the British were obviously fighting the Ottoman Empire. Uh, you had the whole Arab Revolt with T. E. Lawrence, um, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. And, you know, basically they were expecting to have their own Arab state uh, at the end of this here. Uh, but at the time, you've got the British doing British things, as one would suspect. And uh, they're trying to cut deals every way they can, right? <laughs> so uh, the British are, you know, they have uh, T.E. Lawrence telling the Arabs, hey, You've uh, telling him to tell the Arabs, hey, you guys are going to have your own independent state. You know, we're going to put a Hashemite king on, on the throne there. And, uh, you know, you guys are going to be able to rule yourselves. You're no longer going to have the Ottomans over you. Uh, they were also telling, you know, the Zionists and there's, you know, the Zionist movement with a Balfour Declaration in 1917. Hey, we're going to give you a homeland there. They're telling France with the Sykes-Picot Agreement, hey, you're going to get this part of it. And then they're also going to back to the Ottomans and saying, Hey, maybe we'll let you guys stay around, but, uh, but like, you know, get out of the war. So they're like, play this every direction they can. And <laughs> so, behind, so behind every conflict in the middle East is somebody saying, what a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the British's fault. I mean, it, it definitely, they, they played a massive role in screwing this whole thing up. I mean, so like, they, they promised know, a whole bunch of different, people who literally can't stand each other basically the same exact area of land um and yeah, so it, it just set the stage for this entire thing to to go incredibly wrong so you had like te lawrence because he kind of knew that he was he was playing the arabs that he was kind of having to fall in line and follow orders and tell them what they wanted to hear but uh you know he said for my work on the arab front i had determined to accept nothing the cabinet raised the arabs to fight for us uh, by definite promises of self-government afterwards, Arabs believe in persons, not in institutions. They saw me a free agent of the British government and demanded from me an endorsement of its written promises. So I had to join in the conspiracy and for what my word was worth, assure the men of their reward. In our two years partnership under fire, they grew accustomed to believing me and to think my government like myself sincere. In this hope... They performed some fine things, of course. Instead of being proud of what we did together, I was continually and bitterly ashamed. So, um, so yeah. So, basically, what ended up happening here, so you had the, uh, so, like I said, the Balfour Declaration was, uh, was issued in 1917. Mm -hmm. um, November 2nd. And, um, yeah, and I so, mean, that, that really was the birth of... of like the modern day conflict and why this is all happening today. Um, right. Because, uh, because basically the Arabs got the short end of the stick on this one. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, because their land, and like I said, uh, you know, their previous interaction with Europeans was with Napoleon who came through and committed some mass atrocities there. So, um, you know, when they were dividing things up on Sykes-Pico, they were saying, hey, guys, like, don't give us to the French. Like, we'll hang out with you, but, like, not the French, not the French. And, uh, you know, they gave Lebanon and Syria to the French. So, 
they got that uh you know the jews the uh the zionists had a lot of pull you know like i said Hyam weitzman was was british so uh you got the he was one of the big guys that got the uh balfour declaration which you know declared you know which specifically mentioned you know not jewish state but national home so that was you know kind of open to interpretation on some people's parts so the british were constantly telling them no no no, we're not giving them a state like they're just gonna live here but at the same time the zionists are saying no 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 we're taking a state and we're taking the whole thing basically as as you know things started coming out there and then uh yeah so you had sykes pico which also can't you know in in there so you've got all this you know all these different agreements going on and someone and so at one point there uh you know, the Arabs got impatient with it and basically declared their own kingdom and put uh, Faisal the first from uh, the Hashemite family on the throne of the of uh, the Arab kingdom of Syria, which lasted uh, three or four months. All right, let's, and, pa- uh, let's pause on history for a minute. There's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah. Let's pause. Um, I have... One of those animations of uh, the maps um, that you were talking about before, Nick. Um, yeah. About, so let's uh, let's just take a look at this. So, um, 1917. This is what Arabs 97 percent Jews get three yeah. percent, and then in 1939, yeah. mandatory Palestine. British made British mandated facilitated. Jewish immigration. Um, in 1946, Zionist Jews controlled less than 6%. Um, and this just kind of shows you how it just took over. Yeah, over so you had the 47 lines, and then uh, you ended up going down to the 67 line. Well, in 47, um, I believe Transjordan took possession of the West Bank. And, uh, well, and let's see, in 47, it was 70. So let's let's go back. Let's go back. Um, 1917, it was 97% Arabs versus 3% Jews. And then in 39, Jews went up to 2%, went up to 5.5%, 6%. And then in 47, it was 78% Jewish controlled. Um, whereas, yeah, and then, then 100% in 1967, when they, after the six day war, um, when they basically took over everything, um, and it stayed that way through the years and is basically still that way and yeah this is what we were saying like you you have to recognize that it is basically an apartheid state where they own this other section that they were not promised but that they did stay it's crazy if you go back and listen to some of these these president speeches they literally say before they even take over in and or before they're even given the this land that they're going to make sure that they take over the rest of the Palestinian land um, in the future. That, I mean, every single, like three presidents in a row said this um, of, of Israel. They said, we're, we're not going to abide by this, this treaty. We're going to, or whatever it was, accords or whatever you want to call it. Balfour um, Accords. Uh, Balfour Declaration and the Oslo Accords. And then, oh. They just kept going. And like there was there was never an agreement st- 
stated or uh, in writing by the president that they weren't going to do this. Um, it was it was just kind of assumed that everything would work out when when the British decided to give all this land. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the British have such a great track record with colonizing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But I mean, I, I think that that's one of the biggest misconceptions in this is that, you know, the way I think it's portrayed quite often is, well, you have the state of Israel and you have the state of Palestine and. You know, every so often ten tensions flare up and there's battles between the two, but that's not really what you have. You have the state of Israel and then you have occupied territory called Palestine. Um, you have two large chunks there, right? You have uh, you have the West Bank and you have uh, the Gaza Strip. Yep. Two disconnected populations there. Um, and. You know, it's not, they're not really self-sovereign. It's not really a self-sovereign uh, country, right? You've got checkpoints to get in and out of there. You know, you don't have a f necessarily freedom of movement. If you live there, if you leave, you don't, you're not really getting back. Like, it's very, um, there we go. There you know, and then as you see later, more and more, you see settlements start, you know, start popping up into the West Bank. So as, you know, it's occupied and you're seeing more and more settlers moving into the uh, occupied West Bank, just further displacing population. That's a lot of the tension you see today is that like tensions flare up when they say, oh, we're building a new settlement and they go and they clear out some Arab, an Arab village and mm -hmm. move the people somewhere out, tell them that you got to go somewhere else and they start moving in. You know, yeah, the I'm, thing with a lot, the thing with a lot of border disputes from the libertarian perspective is like this is really lame. It's one state versus another state. Who cares? The, the thing that matters here is you know individual property rights. But the thing here is you know every time there Israel is you know going into Palestine and uh, taking some more territory, what that entails is telling individual Palestinians get out of your own property and never come back. Mm. It's individuals being dispossessed and that's the important thing. Well, yeah. like what, what gets interesting is going back historically on this, right? So um, a lot of times the, uh, a lot of that land was controlled by Ottoman nobles, uh, richer families from certain areas, the cities in that area were c controlling huge swaths of land. And uh, a lot of the population there where farmers paying rent and working the land, right? A lot of the owners of the land, you know, granted, you know, either bought up on the cheap because um, listening to the podcast, uh, my understanding is uh, the way that the Ottomans conscripted was based off of land records. So when conscription started coming up, uh, you know, rich, the richer landowners would sometimes, you know, say, hey, they're conscripting and like scare people into selling off their land to them and basically renting it back. So, um, you know, a lot of times the, uh, the Zionist organizations would come and they'd buy, they'd buy the land from the owner, but was that duly acquired? Was it, you know, it, it gets very complex there because yeah, this person's technically the owner of it, but also that person may have just come to it by government favors or, you know, or outright fraud and some money. And, uh, you know, buy it up this place and then say, well, you're not no longer allowed to work here, right? That's some of the stories told in there was that, um, you know, they'd, they'd buy up the land 
And they tell them, hey, this is our land. You guys can't work it. Only we can work our land. So you've got to go somewhere else. And then oftentimes no one would be there to work the land. And what could have, what was a prospering farm was just sitting there <laughs> falling apart. Like it was, you know, there's a, a whole lot of shots like that that are like, that'll leave a bad taste in people's mouths. Mm. just want to say nick you're uh doing a great job of trying to not step on a landmine here so strong work there buddy <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying very uh no 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 you're doing a good job here, so um let's talk I'm about for a second yeah no, let's, let's let's talk about for a second one of the arguments outside of the let's just back israel at all costs that both right-wing and left-wing folks have been doing um over the past few days is the fact that 27 or 22 Americans have died thus far. Um, and a lot of people that I've been seeing online say that that in and of itself is just cause for us to get involved. Um, what are, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Get involved is doing a lot of work in that sentence. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Militarily boots on the ground, get involved in the war. Um, I, I would uh, want to know where their primary status is held. Are they primarily American citizens or are they primarily Israeli? Because mm -hmm. every Jewish person in the United States has the ability to get Israeli citizenship, and most of them do. And as a dual citizen with a different country, um, my primary residence and nationality is American. It's, mm -hmm. it's not Irish. So my heritage is Irish, but I'm not Irish. I'm American. Right. So who are these people that have died? They're, they're like everything else going on in this entire conflict. There is so much nuance involved here. Um, and I don't think we should be throwing boots on the ground because people that have American citizenship, but maybe primarily Israeli, <clears throat> unfortunately, have died in, in, in the conflict that's going on over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree. Zane, you got something to say about it? Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, we the first thing that we should do is stop sending hamas our money i mean the, <laughs> i saw a meme where it was like the israeli rockets firing at the hamas rockets and on one side it was saying u.s taxpayer money and on the other side was also saying u.s taxpayer money yes so so much of this is you know our own fault that getting involved you know it's really tragic that you know everybody in this conflict is dying and it's tragic that 27 american citizens have died but that's ultimately completely irrelevant to the question of whether the situation would be helped or hurt by additional american involvement and i don't think that it would be mm. i mean it, it does it does appear that we have supplied many 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 of the weapons that are being used in this yeah in there's no shock attacks. that iron man if you play both sides you always win <laughs> yeah there you go i play both sides <laughs> Yeah, um, all about it. Scene. I saw this, and I don't know what to think of it. Israeli army confirms bombings of Damascus and Aleppo international airports in two simultaneous attacks. Can I say uh, it's Aleppo. <laughs> I was gonna say it. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's not reference one of the worst libertarian <laughs> moments on national TV. Let's not do that. Um, I want to know. Why y'all think this is the case? And for those who don't know where these are, so you have um, so Gary, Johnson, you have the Gaza Strip, yeah. you have the Gaza Strip down here, you have the West Bank, you have Jerusalem. This is Israel, and then up here you have Aleppo and Damascus. 
um, in Syria. So can anybody explain why this, why it would be the case that Damascus and Aleppo International Airport have been attacked simultaneously? If the because attack Assad were... was being bad again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if, I would say if the attacks are by Hamas and it's all connected, then it would be, tactically speaking, a distraction. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I was just... And I mean, the other thing is that various groups of Muslims hate each other almost as much as they all hate the Jews. Which is why so I, I say, wouldn't be surprised if it was Hamas. This a, right. I, yeah, this could be something completely unrelated. I. And it could just be another one of those groups taking advantage of a poor situation to make their strike. And that that is actually a really interesting point is is this kind of spiraling and people other organizations or other countries that now realize that the entire world is focused on this and another war can this spiral out of control to basically turn into what what Reed Cooley said we didn't want, which is World War Three. Like, is that actually a possibility? How much? How actually? What's the percentage raised since um, this war started uh, of us going into World War Three? I I don't think that there's a meaningful answer to that question. Okay, I, I think it's and, less than people are. I think people are being a little, uh, you know, playing it up a little bit by saying, you know. I mean, there's always a risk of things spiraling, but I mean, you look at it. I mean, we've had the these conflicts pop up every pop off every couple of years. This one feels a little bit different for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but in order for a world war to kick off, you kind of needed an opposing side on it, right? I mean, a lot of the bordering Arab countries, um, Egypt's not going to go at Israel. You know, they've kind of more or less somewhat buried the hatchet there. Saudi Arabia and Israel have kind of, you know, cooled tensions there. Um, Lebanon's in a massive economic issue right now. And uh, yeah. yeah, they are. It, that's there. And Syria itself, I mean, Syria, you have, you know, the rough alliance with, with Russia from, you know, the previous time when we in the CIA. But, you know, there has to be that other side, and I'm not seeing that other side stepping up on the side of uh, we're kind of losing you a little bit, Nick. Your mic's messing up a little bit, but yeah, I don't see is that better? Yep, that's better. I, I don't, I don't see the opposing side on it, right? I, um, I don't see the hostilities between the neighboring Arab states and Israel that you got in like the 40s 60s and so on right now that mm -hmm. would um and i mean american influence with those other nations egypt uh saudi arabia as well um there's a lot there you know they're more or less in you know yeah they, they break a little bit here and there there's complex relationships but i don't really see it Okay. Yeah, it seems like a more of a civil war that's happening as opposed to a global situation, even though there are global and international interests involved. Yeah. It's international interests involved in a civil war as opposed to a multinational incident which it's not spirals a, it's, into a world war yeah. type of scenario. And it's 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 a what ifs game, you know. 
what if this happens? Well, if this happens, then what if this happens? Then right. what if this happens? And once you go down a bunch of those, then sure, eventually you get to World War Three. Is it right. this isn't like a sure? Yeah. Is it probable? No. It's, it's it is worth really remembering that we had the Cold War for fifty years, and not even that resulted in World War Three. Exactly. So obviously, it's not impossible that it could happen. But I feel like, like I am not that worried about it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. You know, it's not like you're talking proxy forces on both sides. You know, playing right. the game in in uh, in the stead of of the great of the big powers, right? So that kind of you know, I think World War Three is, you know, I don't see it. I don't know how it gets, you know. The closest scenario would be, like, Syria gets super involved and you get an all-out war with Syria that then brings Russia in. But I'm not sure Russia would come in on, you know. Unless, of course, we were involved in it. And then if we were involved in it with Israel's side and Syria was involved in it with Russia's side, then we're, when Russia could get into it between their types of sides. And again, we're in a what if, what if situation. Yeah. And, and this is this a little is, bit of Taiwan in there. There you yeah, go. Because why it's, wouldn't you? And this, this is what I was referring to. Um, Iranian foreign minister threatens uh, if Israel does not stop its attacks on civilians in Gaza, the region will face new situations. Israel cannot impose a complete siege on Gaza, bomb civilians and commit war crimes without a response. Um, yeah, I don't know if, if Iran starts to get in there, Iran starts to get in there. Um, I don't know. Think, I, I feel like things could easily spiral. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like Iran getting involved is going to be like the booming dad voice that comes into the room, you know, when you're misbehaving as a kid, and all of a sudden you hear dad voice from the other room, knock it off, and you're like, Fuck. "See, I feel like I feel like it'd be the the older brother telling the two younger brothers to stop, and then the U.S. would be the dad coming in <laughs> to tell everybody, shut up, we're here now.'" <laughs> yeah. I, I think if you're if you're looking to draw lines, I think you need to look at the currencies. I think you need to look at bricks. I think mm -hmm. you need to look at who is involved on the brick side, because yeah. honestly, we're in a currency war. And it's gearing up and Valid. we are the reserve currency for the world. And that being challenged will create a World War Three scenario. So it doesn't need to be uh, specifically like some of the Muslim states getting involved. Some of we, we we need to maintain control globally with a reserve currency, at least the way that things work right now. I don't agree with the Federal Reserve and some of the other particular libertarian talking points i that i do agree with those like we should abolish these things and change things within our country but the global powers that be are controlled by currencies and every time someone has tried to rise up and create a currency we have squashed them through the military industrial complex and right now russia is pushing it again and iran is a part of that syria will be a part of that same things happening in china with taiwan so we have multiple fronts that are about to go off at the same time and a lot of that actually has to do with trying to tank our currency. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with um, global positioning strategies. We don't need Israel as a jump off point in the Middle East anymore. Um, we, we have the ability to, to park aircraft carriers wherever we want. Mm -hmm. So they're not as critical to um, coordinating uh, uh, anymore with the capabilities we have. But when it comes to the currency wars, I think that that's what we're looking at. And you could see Russia's going to back Iran and they're going to back Syria. And then you get China involved because they want to tank the U S currency. You could, you could be looking at something from a different angle as opposed to just Muslim Jewish 
relations, which are right. not going to improve, quite frankly. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, 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 I think it, you could have spillover. I think you guys mentioned the airports. You're, you're knocking out. You can only land planes in so many places. So, you know, whoever benefits the most from those things not being able to land there, they did it. I mean, why wouldn't they? Right. So um, I, I, I do think you're looking at – you also have to, to look at – you can look at historically Ukrainian-Israel relations, um, Ashkenazi Jews – uh, migrate from there and uh, when ukraine kicked off they allowed all the jews to leave and go to israel so there are um hardline relations in some of these places and they will back each other regardless on what um the west tells them to do because their excuse is that their back is against the wall and they need to attack to to preserve their their lives and to not be wiped off the map so mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of a little rant but um yeah i think there's a few um lines drawn that aren't maybe as obvious I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, like that perspective for sure. My take on this is that I think the the power elite of the various countries are more tied together than a lot of people think that they are. And they kind of, I, I think that they think that a, a, a global thermonuclear war would be bad for them because their standard of living and amount of power would drastically go down if we all got in a huge hot war with each other i am a lot more concerned about kind of the world economic forum one world government kind of they all get together and screw the common people over all as one power elite unit i think that has a much higher chance of happening than world war three okay because i mean you see a lot of western european leaders like praising what China, like China's reaction to COVID, their lockdowns, some mm. aspects of how their economy is, is run, kind of the, the corporate fascist model. You see a lot of people being, um, and, and, you know, a lot of Western European leaders going around saying how we need to reduce the, the growth rate of the developed world in order to slow climate change and make it more fair with the developing world. So, I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, people in Western Europe, in the U.S., who kind of would want to lose a global war to China and Russia. So I I don't think that that's really going to happen. All right. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap up the the Israeli-Palestine talk with right right about now. Um, I I think uh, what I really want to do is in a couple months when this is hopefully calmed down is do another episode where we focus on it for more than an hour. Um, and so maybe go a little, then. some more research, some more history. Cause we um, only got to like world war one. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to do more research than 15 minutes of YouTube summary videos. There we go. Yeah. I think in a couple months, um, we'll see where, where the conflict is at again. And we'll, we'll come back to this topic. Um, another good, Thing to watch uh, is this documentary. It's a fantastic documentary. It's Gaza Fights for Freedom um, uh, by Empire Files. It's on Vimeo. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else, but I watched it about a year ago when it came out. And it is, um, or it came out four years ago. Interesting. Uh, I watched it about a year ago and it's, it's fantastic. So um, head on over to Vimeo and check that one out. It is. It's not mine, so I'm not self-promoting here. It's somebody else. Don't else's. you have one over there? I have one on Vimeo. Yeah, I've got a few on Vimeo. 
but we're not going to talk about those right now. He's also got a few on some other sites, but you got to ask nicely. <laughs> the internet is so big. Where where could it be? Goodness gracious. Um, all right. Well, we have some Atlanta news uh, for those here in Atlanta. Um, a man is dead at the hands of police. His name is Johnny Holman. He There's going to be a march on... Is it this Saturday? Uh, sorry, y'all. I think it's this Saturday. I can't remember. It's somewhere in this article. If you go to ABC News, um, Johnny Holman died seemingly as a peaceful civilian during a traffic stop. Um, died via taser. Um, the cops tased him. And allegedly, according to the family, he was not resisting. Um, he was not doing, according to them, he was not doing anything wrong, but they will, they're refusing to release the body cam footage. And so the March is about, uh, the release of the body cam footage and transparency, um, in the Atlanta PD. Um, has anybody heard about this, this story? I'm unaware of it. Gotcha. Well, uh, our very own grumpy gnome was the one who, uh, or no, was it Grumpy Gnome? Somebody, I forget. Somebody sent it to me right before the show. I watched a little bit of the video. I watched, uh, read some of the article. It's an interesting one to keep up on, um, and I would highly encourage y'all to uh, to check it out because yet another person dies in the hands of the police, which is never a good thing for freedom. Anyone? <laughs> Ever? Ever? Um, speaking of police, here's one that Grumpy Gnome did give. Um, just before the show started, former Missouri police officer accused of sexually abusing eight handcuffed detainees. My only question is separate or at the same time? <laughs> oh, whole lineup. Yeah. Marcellus Blackwell was indicted on 21 federal charges on Wednesday. Wow. 21 um it's just i mean we we try to highlight police brutality pretty often on this show we talk about it quite a bit um sexually abusing people while they're handcuffed um non-consensually uh is is one of, i mean goodness gracious um I, I barely have any words for it what, what, there, what are your thoughts yeah there's it's abhorrent. Yeah, it is. And I know this happened in Missouri. It has nothing to do with Georgia. It has nothing to do with, you know, any of our problems. But it has to here. do with people. It does have to do with people. And I know it's a weird transition to go from uh, the Israel-Palestine thing over to uh, cops here in the U.S. But there's, I guess, the, the point of this whole thing. Oh, shoot. There's eight men. He sexually abused eight men who were in handcuffs. Um, Does that make it worse or better? It's a great question. <laughs> I think a, it's supposed really to be question. equally as bad. I mean, it's bad either I way. It's, I, I think know. it's equally as bad. It was just, just not what I expected. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's not what I expected. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Grumpy. Uh, you can update us if things if things change on that in the future. But 
I mean, I don't know. We, we talk should about get Grumpy a segment where he comes on and tells us uh, the latest. I, I bet the, Grumpy yeah. could go on a great Eight. rant on this show. <laughs> He's Eight men tracking this closely. Incidents. Well, I'm glad that wasn't eight men in row. So I, I got something for you that's probably not the norm. Um, I from my job, I've worked really close with a lot of police officers, and every single town that I've worked in, which has been quite a few, in the EMS side has bad officers. All mm. of them do. Mm. All of them have great officers as well. Yeah. So. I, I I don't take the the blue line uh, approach to it because I've worked with the bad officers and I've had them completely fuck up my calls on the EMS side, like royally. Mm. Um, but I've also had to depend on good officers at times. And knowing you got to go to a guy behind you that has your back um, is a big deal. So I have some personal experience with some of that. I also have friends um, that I've grown up with that have become officers. And when it comes to the body cam stuff, I've had the same conversations with all of them. Um, they all take the same approach where we want body cameras because of the amount of shit we deal with, we want them. So the good cops that don't create bullshit want the body cameras. They want the extra, um, they want the recording uh, because they feel like if they're doing their job the right way, it doesn't make a difference. So, right. Yeah. yeah I mean, uh, being a cop yeah. is something that can, bring out the best or the worst in people like you can absolutely do it because you really want to protect people and protect property and protect life or you can do it because you want to be large and in charge and boss people around the poison of power it's a power issue it absolutely is i i've you grasp power it can either turn you or turn you (laughs) absolutely yeah, I like I like that perspective, Sean. We don't we don't always get that on this show. Um, we just have a lot of uh, anti-authority. Folks no, I get it. I, mean, I see the same videos you I guys said. do. I, I get it. I get it, man. I, like, I, look, the amount of what things. I said before, you know, individuals take actions, right? Groups don't. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. In Ancapistan, there would still be police, just not state police. Correct. Correct. Like and the they would be of, a lot better. The amount of calls I've been on that have shown up later on Facebook with public speculation and uh, and and people guessing as to what happened and throwing their opinions in, not having a single clue as to what took place, is is a lot. It's a mm-hmm. lot. All of your uh, town Facebook pages have all the incidents going on within the town. You know, the police show up to my neighbor's house. What's going on? Oh, I heard this on the scanner. It must be this. I mean, it's a, there's a whole ecosystem involved in just keeping an eye on the uh, the first responder scene, you know, and people, there's people that are just into it. Like that's their jam. They love going to fires and they love listening to calls. And like, that's their hobby. Just like, this is your guys's thing. You know, like everybody's right. got a thing and that's like, that's legitimately their thing. And they love that. Um, but a lot of misinformation gets passed along. And I'm, I'm personally never on the side of uh, hiding information from the public. I, I don't see the reason to, I've never been like that. But generally, the guys doing their jobs, they want the, you know, the added coverage. That's how they look at it, at least from my from what I've seen. I, I really appreciate that. Like, I, I think that, that is a good thing to have. Um, it's definitely protection for them. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it would because make if you're doing your job, if you're yeah. actually serving the people and protecting the people, then you should keep doing what you're doing, because what you're doing is a noble cause. Yeah, I mean, and the, there is the, never any time in our society that we should ever strike down nobility. 
There we go. We need more of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess the only downside of it would be people do make mistakes. And if you make a mistake and it's on camera, these days people do not forgive. Um, there's far too little forgiveness in today's society. Far too many people holding grudges and maintaining things that have been said for like 20, 30, 40 years still holding although, grudges about those But it things. has to matter although, on where that line is for what the mistake is. Well, you know, it also if your mistake comes out is like grab my gun and send my taser and now somebody's dead. Right. That's oops, not exactly great. Sorry about that. Right. If your mistake oh. is oops, I called you a racial slur. All right. Just take a chill pill. <laughs> come back later. Right. But if your mistake is taking a life, then yeah, the, you, you kind of don't get a second chance. Yeah, that's fair. Well, also, it comes out of a, a low amount of trust, right? I mean, when you're all when you know the bad stuff's being covered by you know cover you know the bad stuff that goes on isn't held accountable and it's mm. being uh covered up or uh we're just going to make an excuse for this and move on oh we're gonna you know protect you know protect that thin blue line or whatever we're gonna protect ourselves look instead of calling out the people who are an issue instead of you know you know having the union step in and say oh right. we're not you know. again even on those calls like you know, just we all have coworkers, and you know who sucks, and you know who knows what they know how to do, and who knows how to do their job. And and the second those people that suck show up, or you show up to back up somebody that sucks, you know it. It it it's immediately apparent. You're like, God damn it, this person just makes the dumbest goddamn decisions constantly. <laughs> and now I'm wrapped up in this shit. My name's on the report. I gotta fucking I gotta explain this to somebody down the line. Sorry for swearing. No. I gotta explain this down That's the line. You know what I mean? And like and, and this is the way it works. And it works like everybody else's job. The power structure is there. Like there's other components to it. And I, I'll totally agree with that. But but the um interpersonal dynamics within the workplace, they're all there. Mm. So you know I felt you see that, that so much. <laughs> yeah, like you so you see you see some of these stops where like you know like like Nick like what you said, you know, you you can't just be um the the news the news likes to show the bad stuff because it gets views and that's what they do, right? But if you do go find videos where like there are videos out there of police officers stopping the bad cop from from continuing to interrogate somebody or they're like what is this traffic stop? This is this is horseshit. Like what are we doing here? Let them go. There's nothing going on here. I mean, it happens on the EMS side. Oh, this person's acting crazy. They need to go to the hospital. And you talk to them and you're like, well, they're kind of just crazy, like all <laughs> the time. Okay. So like, it's just Tuesday for them. Like it's, isn't an event. They just kind of need to not bother people in public right now. So it's, it's, there's a whole wide range of the stuff that goes on that you see from that side of it. Um, but you, 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 these guys know when someone shows up for sure, like this person is always a problem or they're, they're headstrong in the station or, you know, they're, they're, this stuff is, it's not, um, it's not lost on the guys there or the people there either. I dig it. Um, well, yeah, I don't have too many more things to show, but I do have some really, really great news. Um, dad gummit. I stopped sharing my screen like an idiot. Uh, some great news coming out of the pharmaceutical industry. Um, yeah, let's let's watch this little clip. Huge news! This yes. is huge, you guys. What, what, what? Pfizer purchased a rival company called Arena Pharmaceuticals for six point seven billion dollars, and what they do is they have drug products that treat immunoinflammatory diseases from 
injury. So Pfizer, who's giving the injuries are now going to be the solution. It's the, problem, it's the fox watching the hen house. Like, come on. This is what is a problem reaction solution. Yeah. But now they're in charge of it all. They're yeah, in yeah. control of it all. Can I please tell you this to you? What? Play both sides, what? you always win. Great news, y'all. There, we now have a solution for all the vaccine injuries, COVID injuries, and it's 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 owned oh, by the same people. Who, are we are who we allowed it? to say the phrase "vaccine injury" now? I, I don't give a crap. We're going to. This episode um, brought to you I'm by. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that we're in the U.S. and you can say whatever the fuck you want. Not on YouTube. Oh, this is a YouTube thing. Oh, it's a it's a multi-platform thing, but we we have multiple strikes on YouTube. We will definitely be getting. I will. I feel myself. like there was one time several months ago that I was talking about vaccine injuries, and you motioned me to cut it out. But, uh... <laughs> well, that's the thing with with their like policies and crap. They change over time. You never know exactly how what's going to happen and what they're what you're going to get banned for. And so stuff that we were getting banned for a year ago was not stuff that we're going to get banned for today. Um, and got it. Got to so, know the climate. Yep. And so we just we just take risks. And I will it say is what it is. the streaming quality is fantastic. Yeah, it ain't bad. <laughs> um, anyway, I mean, the mere fact that they now own the basically a treatment for for vaccine injuries and COVID injuries is, is just laughable at this point. Like, I don't even know what to say about it. What else would I mean, you they in this world? I mean, if I were them, I would. Like, oh, I'm going to create something that causes problems while I'm also going to own the company that's making the solution to those problems. Why wouldn't you? Vertical yeah, integration. In a, in a, Isn't that what it called? Yeah. Well, in a normally functioning market, even in a market monopoly, you would not make any money from this because if you were causing people injury with the initial vaccine, you could get sued and you'd have to pay them. And so even if you did then come up with a cure, probably all the money from that would go would get siphoned away from lawsuits. But because we don't live in a perfectly free market, they can sell the vaccine and it doesn't matter if it injures zero people or a million people nobody can sue them because of government protection and then they can make even more money off of selling you the solution to a problem that they have no accountability for whatsoever gosh that was the best summary of that i yep. mean that's it i was in there at the beginning of it i'm like government <laughs> protections and then you got to it and i was like you son of a bitch yeah that we don't even need to keep going from there um, I actually do have some pretty decent news um, that isn't uh, sarcastic. Uh, the House Financial Services Committee passes a bill to ban the Federal Reserve from creating a central bank digital currency. Um, great step. It does not ensure anything, but at least they're doing at least there are people in government who are that opposed to creating a CBDC. Um, yeah. What do y'all think about that? That's wonderful. Yeah. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> I'd, like to see how they define, I'd like to see how they define CBDC because I'm sure there's probably another back. That's what I'm saying. The, the, I think go one of the bit of CBDC later. <laughs> I think one of the back doors is um, the fact that they specifically said federal reserve from creating a central bank digital currency. Um, 
and yeah, what their definition of a CBDC actually is. Um, I think there are likely ways to get around it. Um, and the fact, the fact that they're being blocked for anything, just that they're being blocked. That's yeah. great. That is um, the, fact, the fact that the issue of CBDCs has caught the public consciousness to the extent that it has. Yes. Like, had you asked me, like, is it possible to make people care about this? I'd be like, no, people, <laughs> this is way too wonkish. People will never care because they can't understand. But like, you will hear average Republicans now talking about like the evils of central bank digital currencies. And it's like, wow, I think that this is an important moment just because people are aware of what the real issues are in a way that I would not have expected. Dude, that is 100% correct. Trying to talk to pe normal people about economics is the most frustrating thing that I've ever done in my entire life. And I do it repeatedly every day with basically everyone that I meet. And I, you just see their eyes glaze over. They don't care what you're talking about. And so the fact that people are actually paying attention to what might be the most important thing with the currency um, at this moment um, is a huge positive sign for me. I oh, love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our, we've never had a chance as a society to really learn under proper circumstances how our economy works. So we're all just bumbling through it as adults. But... You mean the public education system is failing us somehow? <laughs> Look, I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to get into it because that's a whole thing. And I will tirade us for another three hours. I swear to holy God, <laughs> we get on the public education system. I'll just keep going. So we'll save it for another time because I would love to. Yeah. Yes. Oh, we'll, we'll be talking about yes. that at some point <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think we're, we're going to try to get uh, Connor Boyack on the Free Georgia podcast soon. They reached out. Oh, heck us, yeah. And he is Sweet. awesome. He is great on every issue. Um, do you know the Tuttle Twins, Chris? I Tuttle do not. Go check out some of the Tuttle Twins books. Um, okay. You'll you'll freaking love them. They're kids' books. They're for children, um, and they are wonderful. Um, so he yeah he's the creator of that, and he's. I think come they on. do cartoons now or something too. Yeah, they just I think they just started launching cartoons with uh, who's the who's the company Angel Studios, the company that made uh, the child trafficking oh. movie. Um, oh, Angel Studios. Summer. Yes, they did. Um... Uh, Wing Feather Saga. Yeah, they did Wing Feather Saga, which yeah. was flipping brilliant. Yeah, uh, that's what I heard. I haven't watched it, but I did watch. Dad Gummit. What was the name of that movie? That Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic movie. I mean, quality, like film quality wise, as a f film person, um, it's not the best movie out there. As a pretentious but it is filmmaker. As a pretentious filmmaker, it's not the best movie out there, but it is. Uh, high quality compared to most of the garbage that's getting thrown out there by most major studios these days. So big shout out to angel studios, even though they rejected one of my movies, screw them. Um, <laughs> um, we'll all right. All right, y'all that brings us into the last four videos of the show, which are all um, just funny, stupid. Palette I mean, cleanser. they're just a palate cleanser. I like to end on some, funny thing lemon sorbet for the mind <laughs> there we go <laughs> there we go um here we go this is an interaction between a son and his dad um here you go you really just took the golf cart around the block yeah sometimes it's easier to ask for forgiveness 
Don't do that. No, that doesn't apply to you. That's not true. Absolutely not. Okay, then I want to be able to take the damn golf cart around the block. Is is that how it is, Sean? The only one here who has. Oh my god! Yeah, I got an almost seven-year-old, and the uh, the the reasons for why we find uh, the reasons we find to do things are um, they're eye-opening. Like you, you don't you don't think it's coming, and then you get some really bizarro scenario that pops into this kid's head and they just come out right out with it and they're like no this is why or you the better one is you said this before yeah that's right. the thing it's yeah the loopholes it's the yeah. flipping loopholes in the things you're like i'm gonna say a sentence think nothing of it but it's like living with a small lawyer oh, it's brutal <laughs> that's great that is so i just love that the kid immediately launched into the question of asking him if he could take the golf cart out that was so dang good <laughs> it's a smart kid smart kid all right video number two this is point of view of the government 1980s the average rent price then went up damn near four times uh-huh mm-hmm and the cost of food and went up like four times. Mm-hmm. Yep, that too. And the cost of every fucking object you could buy with money has also went up four times. Yeah, yeah, quadruple. That's that's the that was the plan. And you see, that's fine and all, but you know, the amount of money that we get paid to you know to pay for all that shit ain't went up that much. Yeah, for sure. I know that that was the goal the whole time. But why, bitch? Because we figured out 50 <laughs> years ago that if we just build our great lives today on the back of the future generations, then we'll be dead or damn near finna die before we have to pay for any of this shit. And y'all just fix it. What the fuck? <laughs> bitch, what about the American dream? Yeah, sure. See, that was for us. We paid for the American dream that we lived in the past using the future that y'all live in today. So we lived for it back then and y'all gonna pay for it today. That makes sense. That make a lot of sense, but bitch, you don't think that's fucking evil? Bruh. <laughs> God, so Man. much truth in that. That's so good. That one hurts. Yeah, I I these were uplifting videos. What happened? Oh, come on. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. I at just love that they use. laugh at our turmoil. Yeah. I love that they use um, cartoon Biden to explain that, but not with a Biden voice. It just looks like Biden. <laughs> <laughs> well, Biden wouldn't, would not have been capable of explaining that. That's very true. It would have, it would also have been like a thirty minute video of him trying to explain it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, with uh, all right. Here's a comedian. Um, this guy cracks me up with this one. Sticks and stones may break my bones, stop being relevant. <laughs> Isn't that what you teach children? For God's sake, that's what you teach toddlers. He called me an idiot. Don't worry about him. He's a dick. Now you have adults going, I was offended, I was offended, and I have rights. <laughs> well, so what? Be offended. Nothing happens. <laughs> You're an adult. Grow up. Deal with it. I was offended. I don't care. Nothing happens when you're offended. There's nothing. I, I went to the comedy show and, and the comedian said something about the Lord and, and I was offended. And when I woke up in the morning, I had leprosy. <laughs> nothing happens. 
I want to live in democracy, but I never want to be offended again. <laughs> well, you're an idiot. <laughs> and it sticks. So true. So relevant today. Um, it really is. Yeah. Freaking love that one. You don't have the right to not be offended. Correct. I think people get so confused over what a human right is. And I think that's All one right of the biggest things. Rights. What's that, Zane? All rights are property rights. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It's free healthcare and houses and food or something. That's what I keep hearing from. Yeah. The <laughs> healthcare is a right is just a load of crock. Like it, it's one of the biggest lies sold to people on the left. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, at this point, people on the right are also buying it, but whatever. Um, the final one, sorry for those listening. Um, you're not going to be able to, this is translated via subtitles, so you're not going to be able to hear it unless you speak uh, Spanish. So, oh, is this Javier Malay? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> nice. Zurdo de mierda, no le podés dar ni un milímetro. ¿Me podés definir zurdo de mierda? Todos los que, digamos, los colectivistas, los que ponen, digamos, o sea, esa idea... A ver, ¿Por qué es... le pones de mierda, digamos? Porque son una mierda. O sea, vos me sí. estás... No, pero, ese, pero es que si pensás... Pero, no, pero, digo, pero si pensás distinto, te, te van a aniquilar. Ese es el punto. Es decir, vos al zurdo no le podés dar un milímetro, porque le das un milímetro y lo tomas para destrozarte. Es decir, usa, digo, o sea, vos no podés negociar con el zurdo. No se negocia. No se negocia con esa mierda, no se negocia, porque te van a llevar puesto. Ah. Al zurdo de mierda no le podés dar ni... This man is my idol. He is one of my favorite politicians ever. There's so much passion in that. I yeah. love it. Yeah, for those who don't know who that is, it's Javier Millet. Uh, Millet, right? That's how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. He's the libertarian uh, front runner to be Argentina's next president. Crazy. Uh, which Crazy. Is, it's just crazy. I mean, considering just look at his hairdo for two seconds. Oh, it's stupid. <laughs> it I'll looked say like it's he tried to make a picture frame of his face <laughs> using hair. His face um, looks like one of the faces from the Thomas the Tank Engine cartoon. <laughs> Argentina's got some good stuff going on. I mean, he's he he's the front like he runner right now. He had a box fan. <laughs> they had a. Uh, you guys remember the Kyle Rittenhouse Community Center? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, that was funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. Keep keep an eye on Argentina because a lot of cool stuff's going down down there. Um, and hopefully New that dude, and everything. Hopefully that dude becomes president because that would man, I would consider buying property in Argentina at that point, <laughs> like just to have a place down there. That'd be very interesting. Um, I fall off the planet though. What? Upside down. Oh my gosh, we're not no. <laughs> We're not doing the flat earth crap right now. Look, no, no, I said you'd be upside down. It's round. Oh, that's round. My bad. What, Chris? That only happens once every 24 hours as it rotates when you're, when you're upside down. You just That's why you're uh, sleeping so that you don't fall. If you're standing up, you fall off it. Correct. <laughs> all right. Well, Sean, Chris, thank you all for joining us tonight. Really appreciate y'all dropping Thank you so, so much for having me on tonight. Absolutely. Um, so, Anybody who's still watching, next week is another very lengthy discussion. Um, this time it will be about the Las Vegas shooting. Um, oh, we're doing a deep dive. 
It's a we, very uh, special episode of Liberty Libations. It's, a, it's another special episode of Liberty Libations. so much to say on that subject, but I don't think I can be on. Oh. Alden, Alden will have an entire folder full of things that he has researched over the years. Um, Steven will be back, and he has very similar folders. Um, so it will be a very interesting episode. Uh, we'll have a guest on as well. It will be, yeah. Please tune in. Um, it's going to be a good one. We're, I'm going to try to promote it a little bit this week. So keep an eye out for those promotions and uh, spread it around. Um, other than that, any questions about Libertarian Party, go to LP.org, Libertarian Party of Georgia. Go to LPGeorgia.com. Again, Nick, Zane, Chris, Sean, thanks for joining tonight. Really appreciate it. Um, tune in to Free Georgia Podcast Monday nights at 8 p.m. We'll see you then. Peace.